Welcome to my bitch isn't turning. <laughs> it's supposed to turn. Welcome to today's video. What is this? A mukbang? A bacon? A mystery? I've no idea what this is. I go through phases in life, okay? Sometimes I'm just obsessed with reading articles with court documents. You know, sometimes I'm obsessed with reading books. Sometimes I'm obsessed with thriller movies. And right now, I have entered thrilly, thrilly, thrilly movie heavy. Thriller movie heaven. I'm obsessed, okay? A bitch, I'm your mother. No drama. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with thriller movies and so I thought I might as well do Baking a Mystery on thriller movies because you guys tend to love them on the mukbangs when I like recap a thriller movie so I'm pretty much doing it here but I'm not baking but it's still a Baking a Mystery. You get it. You freaking get it. So today we're covering the case or the movie called Bluebeard. This is a Korean movie. Okay, I don't want to I don't want to jump on the bandwagon because I'm Korean but like after Parasite, uh... <laughs> I'm obsessed with Korean movies. I'm like really obsessed. And so this is a Korean thriller movie and it's weird. I'm just gonna drop you straight into the middle. I'm gonna take you to Seoul. This is a current movie, so this isn't like back in the day. This is a modern day thriller, psychological thriller movie. And when you're dropped into it, you just kind of get some scenery of Seoul, right? Of Seoul. You get some scenery and you get this newscaster who's like, listen, <clears throat> you know, they're just like uh, doing their journalistic you know, I don't know what I just said. And so they're just trying to explain fiancés right here, by the way. And so the newscaster is just narrating while you get like these cool B-roll shots of the city. And they're telling you that this winter is clearing up really quickly. So it's about March, April. And the Han River, which is Hangang, like the biggest river in Korea, is, um, I don't know that for a fact. I do not know that for a fact. The biggest river in Seoul is melting already, which is crazy because they're like, did you know most years that the Han River doesn't melt until April? But it's March now and it's already melting. And you're like, why is this the first piece of information I get? And then the B-roll slowly pans to the melting Han River. The ice that was once thickly frozen is now melting away and washed ashore is what you at first, you look at it and it looks like a Harmony's pillowcase, a pillow, a Harmony's pillow, weird print, okay? But it's actually the torso of a woman, a decapitated woman with the torso chopped off, now unfrozen in the unfrozen Han River. Now, we speed forward to spring. So the weather has officially cleared up. It is now sunny. It is springtime. People are loving it. And we go to a doctor who's inside of this huge facility. It's like this clinic, right? And he's there with his nurse. And you see on the camera that he's like moving something around and he's studying like this camera inside of someone's body. So you're like, how did the camera get there? We, need, we have so many questions. He starts talking and he's like, well, this looks good. The nurse is taking notes. And all of the patients are not knocked unconscious. So this isn't like a surgery. Room. It looks like they're just like, it almost looks like a dental procedure where you're a little bit loopy. And so the first patient that the doctor is seeing, we're just going to call him the doctor for the rest of the video. The first patient that the doctor is seeing, he is loopy on these meds. He's freaking cuckoo on these meds. And so the nurse is asking the doctor, like, what do you want to get for lunch today? And the patient's laying there and he's like, I said I want pibimbap. 
And the nurse is like, so what about that new place that just opened up? And he goes, ah, I've been there, the patient. He's like, I've been there. I want pibimbap, okay, lady? And you're just like, okay. So he works with a lot of slightly drug-intoxicated patients right now. And then the next lady is this older patient. She's an old ajumma. She's laying there, and he's sticking some cameras places. And at first, you don't know where he's sticking that camera. And all of a sudden, you say, oh, my God. She says, oh my God, honey, not here, not in public, not in front of everyone, wrong hole. I've never done that before. It's my first time in the butt. <laughs> and that's when you realize that this is a butt doctor. This doctor do be doing the butt, okay? So he's sticking cameras into people's butt, it seems like, right? So we later find out that he does a lot of colonoscopy patients. He's not just like a colonoscopy doctor. He asks the nurse, since we find out that also this is like his first couple of months at this clinic, and he asks the nurse, like, why do we have so many colonoscopy patients? Like, I've never in my entire career have performed so many colonoscopies. And she says, well, you know, here's the thing. The boss, the owner of this clinic, he says, why Why would you go open a clinic in like Beverly Hills? Like the Gangnam of Seoul. I hate saying that because there's always that one person that's like, Opa Gangnam style. And you're just like, okay, I mean, it's a city. It's been around forever, but sure. Let's just one song. Okay. And so she's like, you know, people are dumb for opening up clinics in Gangnam with that high rent when nobody else does colonoscopies here. So we opened up a clinic and we're the only one in the area that does colonoscopies. So like everyone comes to us. And she's like kind of like a little weird. So the doctor's like, oh, fascinating. And he goes home. So it seems like this town, everyone's a little weird. Like the nurse is kind of funny in a sense that like she'll say all of the boss's secrets and then she'll go, <gasps> and then just like smack her face with her hand. And then you're just like, but you just went on for like five minutes and now you're shocked that you just said that about the boss. It's very strange. My lip gloss is now on my palm, okay? And then the doctor himself, I mean, we don't really know anything about him at this point other than the fact that he's done like what? So many colonoscopies today? And he would come into work with like random scars on his head and the nurse would ask him like, hey, why do you have that scar on your head? What's going on? Why are you bleeding on your forehead? It's like, are you boxing? Jake Paul or something and um, he would say something like oh you know I just moved into the new place and the bookshelf hasn't been set up yet and you know how I love my mystery novels my thriller books and so a hardcover a hardcover thriller book fell smacked me straight on the head like boom and that's why I'm bleeding on the forehead Never heard of that one. And so she's just like, okay, a little strange. So then you see him walking home and you see that this is really not that prestigious of an area. It's kind of, um, it's not that great of an area. So he's walking all the way home and he stops in front of a butcher shop, which is very interesting. So it seems like he lives above the butcher shop. So um, it's not a great apartment. It's like this studio, the kitchen is all sorts of dank, the bathroom's really dank. And you kind of have to wonder like, you know, usually when you are expecting a doctor, you're expecting a nicer place place and so he goes up we are introduced to the landlord who is the daughter of the grandpa butcher so we're gonna call him the grandpa so inside of the butcher shop we've meat butcher shop we've got the grandpa who used to own the place for generations you know his grandpa passed it down to him etc and then we've got his daughter who is now the landlady of the whole building and then you've got the butcher which is her husband who has taken over it's very fascinating 
fascinating situation we've got. Everyone's a little bit weird. So the landlady, she seems kind of like a fake nice, and she's constantly taking care of her dad, who seems a little bit senile, so at points you see him picking up just raw meat and eating it, and just with blood dripping down his chin, and the landlady is like, Dad, you know that you can't eat this. Like, you, how many times do I have to tell you it's not cooked yet? And he said, ah, raw beef is a delicacy. And then you see her looking at him going, Dad, it's pork. This is pork. And then you also hear the grandpa telling the new butcher, like, this is how you do it. You've got to grind the meat down like this. You've got to do this way. This is how you debone, you know, the meat. And he's just describing all of it. So at one point, we know that grandpa butcher was probably a good butcher. So he goes back into his apartment and it seems like his story adds up because there's just books everywhere and it seems like they're all mystery books, just novellas everywhere. And he opens up a package that he had recently received and this package came from his ex-wife. The letter just says, how long must I do this for? Please change your address. And it was signed by his ex-wife and it was pictures of him, his golf membership, um, some golf balls and some things like that. So we're kind of introduced to him having a completely different lifestyle. So we're all suspicious expecting a very messy divorce. So in this tiny little studio apartment, he tries playing golf with his shoe and he's pretty good at golf, like his posing is good at golf. So you're like, okay, how did a doctor who's this proficient at golf and then you see these pictures of him at like golf tournaments inside that package suddenly end up here? Like it doesn't make sense. There's a lot of skipping around in this movie. So then the next frame is him at the work in his office and his boss barges in and his boss seems younger than him, which in Korea is kind of like an intense thing because there's a lot of seniority involved. So his boss is like this younger dude doctor and he's like, listen, how you doing? You know, I know the past couple of days have been super busy. How you liking the colonoscopies? How do you like the patients? And he's just saying, you know, it's nice. It's nice. And the boss says, you know, when I first opened up my clinic here, my wife, you know what she would tell people? Everyone would say, hey, uh, where, where's your husband's medical clinic? I, I could visit. I'm, I'm a little sick. And she would say, oh, my husband's medical clinic, you know that little place where the serial killings happen? Yeah, he f***ing opened up there. And she would say it so sarcastically, but now look at us. Serial killings have stopped, businesses bigger and better than ever, and I always ask her, hey wife, would you rather this or me open up a new place in Gangnam? And she said, no, 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 I like it here, I like it here, because we make good money here. Somebody die there. Lots of serial killings in this little town. That was like the center of the serial killings, apparently. Aww. But uh, the serial killer is no longer active, so no need to worry about that, right? No need to worry about that, right? And so the boss says, you know what? There's even a golf course that's gonna be opening up soon. You wanna go play golf? I heard you're good at golf. And the, the, the doctor's like, listen, I don't really pay any, I don't really play anymore. Why not? I thought you were a member at that Korean golf place. No, I had to cancel my membership. Why? You love golf. Because I don't have enough money for my alimony. And so the boss is like, well, all right, well, I'll talk to you later. And he walks out of there. And it's kind of like this weird situation where the main doctor feels like the boss knows exactly why he canceled the membership. So he's kind of cussing him out under his breath. 
So the boss seems like they're being shady. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so then the rest of the whole, like there's two nurses. So you've got one that was working with the doctor, that's the main character, and then another one who's kind of like a receptionist, and she's a little bit older. So it seems like they kind of get along. So the young nurse, the one that works with the doctor, she has a lot of Chanel bags. And the old lady, the old nurse, she keeps pointing it out. Like, how did you get another Chanel bag? Like, is that one fake? And she's like, no, no, like my opa bought it for me. Like my boyfriend bought it for me. My boyfriend bought it for me. And she's like, oh my God, you little fucks, you little sugar baby. How are you getting, does he have a brother, you know? Cause I mean, that's a lot of Chanel purses. And so she's like, whatever, like let's just go to lunch. And so all of them are about to head out to lunch and we start seeing this trend of how the main doctor, he really only eats triangle kimbap from the convenience store because it's affordable, it's really cheap and it's rice so it's filling. And so he was like, no, 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 you guys go ahead. I'm just gonna go get my little snack from the convenience store. And so all the nurses are kind of looking at him like, oh, that's a little sad, right? And that's when his landlady runs in and is like, please, 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 like we're, we're only like an hour late. Please take us, please take us. We missed our appointment again and I can't shut down the restaurant again. You know, please take us, right? And so he's like, okay, fine, what's going on? And so she says, my dad needs a colonoscopy. And so his nurse is like, Ugh. So he says, okay, well, this is, this is my landlady, so can we just, so the nurse is like, okay, well, y'all go ahead. I'll see y'all later. So the main doctor and his nurse, they stay behind to perform a colonoscopy on the old butcher grandpa. So they put some loopy drugs in him and he's getting his colonoscopy. And as they're finishing up, you know, the doctor feels bad. So he tells the nurse, like, just just go, like, go meet them for lunch. There's still enough time for you to, like, order and eat and then come back before we open up again. And so she says, are you sure? And he says, yeah, yeah, just go get me some triangle kimbap on your way back. And she says, OK. And she leaves. And as he's taking his notes, the grandpa with his eyes closed says, the arms and legs are under the Hanam Bridge. The torso is at the Tongho Bridge. By doing that, they don't start floating until April. Fingerprints? You're worried about fingerprints? Just cut off the fingers. Throw away the fingers separately. The head's still in my freezer. Ah! <laughs> and then you see the grandpa open his eyes and make direct eye contact with the doctor. And then he closes them again. <laughs> that grandpa is a troll. That grandpa be trolling. <laughs> so then we see that the doctor is alone at the hospital, and again, it seems like he just didn't go out to lunchtime with all of his like fellow nurses and his fellow doctors, and he's just drinking some water when he hears a noise behind him, and he freaks out. He turns around, and it's that old grandpa, and he's like, "How did you get in here? It's lunchtime. We're closed up." And he says, "You forgot to lock the door." Um. Uh, okay, well, what can I help you with? Uh, consultations don't start till two again. That's okay, I'll wait. And so they're just sitting together in the waiting room, waiting. And then you see him walking home and he passes. So every time he goes into his apartment, he sees the butcher shop, right? And he's sitting there looking at the butcher shop, looking into the butcher shop when he sees that they're grinding. I mean, they have this massive meat grinder that you can see in plain view because they just sell meat. And he's looking at it and there's this black plastic bag on the table. And he's like, what's in that bag? So he looks closely and he's squinting his eyes and he sees hair coming out of the bag. And then all of a sudden, the butcher knocks over the bag and it falls to the ground 
and he fucking wakes up on the subway. I hate when movies do this. I hate when movies do this. But there's going to be a lot of moments like this. So gear up, bits. We're going into just the quintessential nightmare trope that is this movie. I've got opinions, but I'll save them for later. So then the doctor, you see the doctor go on to a lunch date with his 10-year-old son. So he meets for his 10-year-old son, they go to lunch, the son is like just on his phone the entire time, and he's like, what are you doing? Like, get off your phone. And the son is saying like, well, you know, your mom says the reason that everything failed is because of you, blah, blah, blah. And the dad is like, listen, I'm gonna get back on my feet and we're gonna be a family again. I just heard about this new investment that I can make in this stock market. And the son looks at him and goes, mom told me that you lose everything so like stop making bad business decisions you're the reason that the clinic failed so like just chill out and work at your job and so he's like no 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 but this one this one's a good business investment so you kind of have this idea that maybe he had his own clinic and then he just didn't handle the business aspect of it really well so then his whole family fell apart and he starts getting mad at his son like who's gonna pay for your abroad trip to Canada this year huh who's gonna pay that because I only have a three more months on this contract at this clinic in the city so like, I don't know what I'm doing after these three months. And the son's like, oh my God, oh my God, dad, dad, it's all over social media right now. They found a body in the Han River. And so, you know, the dad is like, put down your phone. Social media is full of lies. And so the dad, the son's like, no, I mean, they found a bot. Okay, whatever. And they finish lunch and he gets dropped off at this really nice place. Yes, that's how alimony works. Get it right, get it right. <laughs> and then he goes back home and as he's about to walk into his apartment, he sees that the butcher's son is waiting for him with a black plastic bag. And so he's like, oh my God, like that's the same one from my nightmare that I had on the subway with the head inside. So he's like freaking out a little bit. And he's like, uh, what's going on? Like, how can I help you? And the butcher's son is like, you know, I wanted to thank you again for squeezing my dad in for an appointment. I know that you guys had lunch and we were late, but um, I got you this. It's a human meat. A what? Yeah, and he passes him the bag, opens it, and it's a lot of red meat. And he says, it's human meat. And the doctor goes, what? What did you just say? And he goes, oh. You're shocked by that. It's beef. It's beef skirt steak, but yeah. And so it's like this really awkward moment of like, is the butcher's son testing him to see if maybe the dad told him like, oh my God, I confessed to like killing someone at the doctor's office and now the son is testing him. We don't really know. Like it's really confusing. The way that it was done wasn't like, it's human meat. Nah, I'm kidding. It was like, oh, you were shocked when I said it's human meat. Mm -hmm. And so I think the doctor was trying to cover for it. So he's like, oh, well, um, if the if the shop is closed downstairs and I'm off work, why don't, why don't you come in and we can eat it together with some beer? I got some beer in the fridge. So the son, the butcher's son is like, you know what? That sounds really great. And it's hard to tell if this guy is just creepy or super antisocial because in Korea, the apartments, they have keypads to go in primarily. And the guy just keeps looking for his passcode. Like he won't look away. He won't turn around because usually that's the nice thing to do like that's the courteous polite mannerly thing to do but he's just like so the doctor's like and then types in his keypad his little key code to get in right so they go inside they start drinking all these beers they're cooking up that beef steak aka maybe human meat maybe not we don't really know and so they're cooking it up and they're talking and the butcher's son is like you know what you got a lot of books makes sense you're a doctor i love books but you didn't know that because i'm a butcher right and so he's like what kind of books and he goes you know philosophy and so he asks the doctor what kind of books are those and he says oh I, I i couldn't be as fancy as you reading philosophy i mainly just read a lot of mystery books why what's so good about mystery books 
they have answers. You know, nothing in life has answers anymore. But mystery books have answers in the form of criminals. He says, well, yes, that makes sense. He sees a picture of the doctor with his son and his whole family, and he says, oh, is that your son? And he says, yeah, he's with the wife right now because we're divorced. And he says, yeah, well, I have a son. Oh, you do? Yeah, he's 15 years old. Oh, wow, so you guys must have gotten married like really early then because he's already 15. Mine's 10. No, he's from my first wife, yeah. But um, yeah, she ran away when he was six. So the butcher's first wife ran away when their son was six? She ran away, like what, that doesn't make any sense. And so he says, yeah, I think she went back to the Philippines because she was Filipino. Okay, um, yeah, well, it's been hard because you know, the butcher's son doesn't get along with the new stepmom and it's really complex apparently. And so they're kind of bonding over that. And the fact that the sons were brought up, the butcher's son looks at him and goes, by the way, why were you creeping around my shop the other day? And he says, yeah, my son told me that you were looking through the windows. What's going on? And all of a sudden, the butcher gets a call and he's got to go. It's his wife just like yelling at him. You can hear it through the phone. She's really angry. I don't know what she's angry about, but she's super angry, crazy angry. And so he's like, anyway, I got to go. And the doctor, you just see him sweating like he's freaking out. And so then the nurses, the two nurses, they go to lunch, right? So the doctors aren't there, nobody's there, the butchers aren't there. The two nurses are at lunch and they're eating sundubu together. And then they have the news blaring and it's like, oh my God, like in this little town. So that part of the Han River was pretty much inside of this town. So there's like different towns touching the Han River and this specific town was where the torso was found. And so the news is like all over the local news. I mean, it was all over the Korean news in this movie. And so the nurses are looking at each other and the young one says, it's kind of crazy, like I th finally thought these were over. I thought the serial killings were over finally in this town because it happened like a decade ago, like two decades ago. And now suddenly someone ends up dead again in the river just like they used to, like torsos found under bridges and rivers and now it's back. Like it's not even like a husband killed his wife, like it's like, it's very serial killery. It's like kind of the same MO. How could they be back? It doesn't make any sense. And so she's freaking out and she tells the older nurse, well, I got to go soon. Like you got to finish up lunch by yourself. Mm -hmm. I have to go buy porridge. Yeah, the doctor came in and he looks really messed up. So he looks sick. He looks hungover. He looks like he's seen a ghost. So I'm just going to go buy him some porridge and give it to him in the office because, you know, triangle kimbap is not that nutritious. So she leaves early. She goes and buys porridge, but he's not in his office. So she's like, huh. So then she calls him and it kind of feels like she's got a little bit of a crush on the doctor. And so she's skipping around town trying to see like, did he go to the corner store to get triangle kimbap, you know? And so as she's walking to the corner store, she passes this ice cream shop where she sees the doctor getting ice cream with a lady. Now what we know is that lady is his ex-wife mm -hmm. because we are taken into that ice cream shop and it's just him and his ex-wife and she seems really, really mad at him. <laughs> and they're talking and they get into her Audi Oh yeah, she driving an Audi. That alimony got an Audi, okay? So she's driving in that Audi and she's talking about like, I hate you, like you ruin everything, blah, 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 blah. He says, the doctor says, if I ruin everything, why are you still wearing our engagement ring, huh? We're broken up. Why are you still wearing that stupid ring? And she looks at him and goes, this is the only thing of value that I have left after what you did. And she said, and it goes with my outfit. So then she keeps driving to his place. And then all of a sudden you cut to the scene where she is 
throwing a glass cup at his bathroom mirror, and it completely shatters. It's this loud bang. They're fighting and fighting, and she keeps screaming things like, "Why would my son say that he wants to be here? Why would my son want to live in this dump with you?" And he's like, "What do you mean? I never invited him to live with me instead of you. What are you talking about?" And she said, "Well, he keeps saying that after this year, he's gonna come live with you. He's gonna come live with you. So you must have brainwashed him during lunch." And he's like, "No. Why would I do that? But also, you don't ever think it's you? Like, do you do this shit around him? Like, do you just throw things around him, break mirrors around our son? Is that why he doesn't want to live with you anymore?" And she's like, "You know what? I'm so done." And it kind of looks like they just did it because she's in like a little slip dress and he's not wearing any pants. So it seems like they had like a little rendezvous and then she got mad for some reason. It's a little confusing. And then all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door and it's the butcher's son. And he's like, "Hey, heard a bit of ruckus. What's going on?" So the guy's like, "Well,、uh, I just um, yeah, I just accidentally hit something on the bathroom window and it, it or the bathroom mirror and it broke. It's fine. I'll fix it. I'll pay for it. Don't worry about it." And he goes, "Okay, well, let me know if you need help." And he leaves. Now the wife is like, "I can't do this. You know, we're officially done. Don't ever call me again." And she leaves. And he looks outside the window and sees her walking away. And so then the butcher's son comes back up after she leaves and knocks on the door and says, "Hey, I just closed up the butcher shop." Why don't we go downstairs and drink some soju? I just got a shipment in. Let's just drink. And the doctor's like, No, 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 it's okay. Like, I know it's it was a little bit hectic. I know you probably know that I had a a lady over and it was really intense. And he was like, Listen, let's just go drink. So they go downstairs and they start drinking. And you start getting a little bit annoyed because you're like, Hello, doctor. Um, do you not suspect that this family is behind some serial killings? Like at least the grandpa. But like you're like suddenly getting vulnerable and drunk. And he's getting drunk off this soju. And he's like, Listen. Listen, listen. My ex-wife is hysterical, and I am so concerned that that hystericalness, the hysteria, direct quote, is gonna pass on to my son, and it just bothers me. It stresses me out. I don't know what to do, right? And then the butcher's son is talking about his wife, and the doctor is like, "Listen, we've been doing it.、Uh, me and my ex-wife have been doing it because she thinks if we keep doing it, we'll love each other again. But she's so resentful that I lost all of our money that no matter how many times we do it, we don't really love each other again. Well, she doesn't really love me, right? So that was kind of the plan, but it's just been too much. And so the butcher is like, "You know what? Hold that thought." And they both seem just. Wasted, drunk, and the butcher leaves to go get something. When all of a sudden, the doctor has this genius idea to walk into the room-sized freezer because, like I said, this is a butcher shop, you know. So he walks into the freezer and he's looking for the frozen head that the grandpa is talking about, and he's looking around and he sees the same black plastic bag. Like I don't know about you, but black plastic bags are not that common. Maybe in Korea they are, but it was very distinct. I feel like they're always like clear, like that white ones, like the film. Me ones, right? But um, he was like, "Oh my God, that's it, that's it, right?" And so he goes over and he opens it up, and there's a head inside. And then he wakes up in his apartment. Oh, oh my God, those! It's gonna, it's gonna get good soon, okay? But like, we still have to get through like one more nightmare, and then we'll get to the real stuff, okay? So he wakes up. He's freaking late for work. He's freaking out. And as he's at work, he gets a call from the butcher's son, and they're just like talking. But for some reason, we don't really get to hear it. It sounds like he's asking for another appointment for his grandpa, for the dad, the butcher's grandpa,、mm-hmm. or the butching, the butcher grandpa. Yeah, the Gramps, 
right? And so he's like, okay, fine, that's fine. Now the grandpa's back in the waiting room and they go into the little office and he starts taking off his pants, the butcher grandpa. And the doctor is like, whoa, we don't have to do that again. Like, trust me, you don't have to, you can keep your pants on for this appointment. And so he's like, ah, okay. And he looks at the doctor and he says, the first couple times are always the hardest, huh? It gets easier, don't worry, just keep pushing through. And you see the doctor get paranoid. And so you have this moment of feeling, is the doctor the new serial killer? And the grandpa knows. Maybe the grandpa used to be the active serial killer, and now the doctor came here and he's killing? Because that's a really weird thing to say. It gets easier. The first one's always the hardest. Uh -huh. Why would he say something like that to the doctor? And so the doctor gets really creeped out and then the butcher walks out, right? Uh -huh. So then the butcher's gone. Now the doctor is in the waiting room, like, you know, doing his notes, trying to call his next patient, and he overhears two of these Ajumas, you know, Ajumas love to gossip. And so Ajumas are sitting there and they're like, that old fart's still alive, I thought he died. No, he's still alive. I don't trust him for shit. You know what happened to his wife? Fucking vanished one day, just gone. Nobody knows where she is. And this was around the time of the serial killings. I don't know, he's up to no good. And you wanna know what's even crazier? His, his son's first wife or something, also missing. Nobody looked for her. Crazy, huh? I don't know, that family's just weird. I don't even buy meat from their shop. And the doctor's like, don't fall. <laughs> and then the police walk in and they ask if there's um, like a office clerk available and they said that they need to get all of the records of patients and but also um any employees if they had any foreign employees more importantly they would like all of the records for that and the receptionist the nurse is like why and the police said well the torso we think they might be southeast asian and so a lot of the times, you know, there will be Southeast Asians who come to Korea for like work, right? So maybe they were killed while they were working. We don't really know. Remember? The butcher's son first wife uh, is Filipino. Uh -huh. So then the doctor's sitting there like, the fuck is happening right now? So he goes home, he's freaking the fork out, and he goes and he opens his little fridge, and his fridge is busted, by the way. Like this fridge, we've seen so many scenes of him trying to close the fridge, but the fridge door won't close because it just like won't close. It's an old fridge, okay? I don't know how much he's paying for rent, but like the only thing that's good in this apartment right now is that they got like a new water heater installed in the building recently, right? So like the landlady, she won't stop talking about this new water heater, but he's like, what about my freaking fridge that will never close? And so he opens his fridge, gets a water bottle, and this time he's like, it won't close. So he slams it shut, and that's when his freezer door opens, and inside the top freezer, you see nothing but one black plastic bag. And he sees it, and he freaks out, and he stumbles onto his bed, and the freezer door is open, and he's just staring at the black plastic bag. So we know that he probably put, didn't put that there because like, why would you put something in your freezer and then be shook that it's in your freezer? And we also know like what happened. Like we kind of started thinking maybe when he was drunk that night, he brought it upstairs in his drunken haze to see if it was ahead. But now that he's sober, he doesn't want to see it. Like it seems like he doesn't even want to check it. Like he's in shock. And that is like a time lapse from nighttime to morning. He doesn't get one wink of sleep. He just sits there staring at the freezer in shock and fear. He's just like, I don't know what to do. Like what if there's a head inside? If there's a head inside, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. So he started freaking out, right? This one's not a dream? No. 
So then we see that he starts sleeping at the clinic and the nurse is like, hey, uh, I saw that you're sleeping in your office these days. Like, what's going on? Is something wrong with the apartment that you're renting? And he says, oh, no, no, our, our hot water is broken. Like, I, I just want to shower here. So just a very standard excuse. Lots of people know that hot water breaks for long periods of time sometimes, you know? It's like one thing if your electricity's out, it usually comes back like the next day. But like water heaters, they're really complex, right? And so he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to stay here until they fix it. And she's like, ah, you should really get a discount for something like that, right? So they have a little conversation. And then, and then he goes back home finally after a couple of days and he opens up the freezer and there's nothing in there. So he starts, like, we kind of, as viewers, we're like, is he, is this dude hallucinating? Like, I don't want my doctor to be hallucinating. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't be sticking cameras up my butt if you're hallucinating. That's really illegal. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, what's going on? And just as we're asking ourselves that question, we're like, God damn, he's hallucinating. Because all of a sudden, his bathroom turns into the butcher shop. And he sees the grandpa butcher and the butcher's son butching up a lady, hung a lady up as if she's a cow, and butchering up. And the son the butcher's son looks at him and says you're home and he walks towards him and he goes now good doctor how could you just take the head and lifts up a woman's head and then he wakes up again and this time we realize he never even went home so we don't even know if that black bag is still in his freezer or not because he wakes up at the clinic so he wakes up in the middle of the night, he goes to the 7-Eleven, he gets some triangle kimbap in the middle of the night because Korean convenience stores are just like the best thing that has ever existed and I want some triangle kimbap right now. And so he goes, gets some triangle kimbap. He also picks up a newspaper about the torso killing that recently happened. And he goes back to the office and that's when he hears ruckusing happening. And so he's getting freaked out. He's like, I'm ready to fight that grandpa. Like he's getting ready, fists up, like ready to throw hands. And it's the nurse that walks out, the young nurse and it seems like she's stealing propofol the drugs that they give the patients that make them all loopy like don't stick it in my butt you know and he's like what the fork so she's like please please don't call the cops like please don't tell the boss like i will transfer i will quit like please don't ruin my life and he sits her down and he says i knew i knew there was no boy buying you those bags and he even says some really mean stuff like um, the fact that uh, in Korea, if you come from money, they wouldn't be dating like a low level nurse at a low level clinic and some shit like that. And it's just like really Damn. savage. And so he's like, I knew that you were buying those bags yourself or some shit. And she's just like, well, please don't, please don't call the cops, blah, 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 blah. And they have this huge conversation. And he says, well, it's getting late. Like, just go home and let me sleep on it. And so finally, we see him going back to his apartment, right? And he's walking back. And this is for real this time. And he's a little bit nervous. Like, he doesn't know if he should go into the apartment, even check the freezer. And he sees a note on the butcher's door. And it says that the butcher shop is going to be closed for the next three days due to personal reasons. So he's like, what does that mean? And so he kind of freaks out. And he sees the butcher's van. You know how, like, they transport meat like that? And in the back, there's blood dripping down. It's not a lot of blood, but it's a little bit of blood and so like the main thing is like yes technically that is a uh, very reasonable maybe for like a butcher's truck to have blood on it but also very creepy at the same time and he sees that the back door to the butcher shop is completely open so he starts walking back there and he enters the butcher shop and he sees the butcher's son like intensely grinding meat and right next to him on the table is a plastic bag and this time you do see hair sticking out of the bag so he runs out of there and then all of a sudden 
the butcher's son runs out too and says, "Oh, you're finally back. You haven't been back for a while." And he says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what? Why is the the shop closed?" Oh, well, my wife. She um went to go see family. Your wife went to go see family. Oh, you know, we got into a fight, so I can't run this place by myself. And you know, Grandpa, he's a little crazy these days. But uh, yeah, we're closed for the next three days. Hopefully, it'll get better. And um, and he looks down, and the doctor sees that the butcher's son's hand is bleeding. What happened to your your hand? Looks like a nasty cut. Oh well, <laughs> it's a little embarrassing, but um. <laughs> I haven't butchered up a whole cow in a long time, and we recently got a whole cow, and I cut myself. A whole cow, like the like a head too. Why? Why do, do you like cow's head or something? No, I was just I was just wondering. Thank you. Um, I'll see you another day. Good night. And he just rushes back into his apartment. So, I mean, it's really weird because I feel like you don't trust either of them. Like neither of them are trustworthy. I feel like the doctor's weird, and he's not a trustworthy narrator. He's hallucinating. We don't even know what's a nightmare and what's not anymore. We don't know. And it is, also seems like he's in a tumultuous point in his life where, like, he just got a divorce. All these things are happening to him. Like, what the fork is going on? But also, the butcher's son, a hundred percent creepy. And then the butcher's son goes back into his apartment. He knocks on the door, and the doctor lets him op- like opens it and says, "Hey, uh, I just, I wanted to ask you a question about the other night that we got drunk. Did you did you take something from our freeze? No. You know what? I th- forget I asked that. I must be mistaken. It must have been the fight with my you know wife. But also, who was that lady that left that day? Remember, you had a visitor, your ex-wife, right?" Did she get home safely? Why would he ask something like that? Why would he ask something like that? That's like it sounds like a threat. Sounds like a hey. Did you take a black plastic bag with a head on it? And then also, but also if you did, how's your ex-wife doing? You know, like it sounds really creepy, like a threat. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, she went home safe. Like you know, have a good night. And he closes the door and he's staring at the freezer door. He's like. Like, do I check it? Do I check it? Like, maybe I can just return it to him and just act like it was like a joke. Like, oh, I didn't check the inside of this bag, but like, <laughs> I thought it was meat. I wanted to cook some meat. Maybe it's not meat. <laughs> and he's thinking when he gets another knock on the door and he's like, F- the butcher's son is back. And he opens it up and it's not the butcher's son. It's the police. And it's not just the regular police. It's the Gangnam police. And they start asking him questions. And they say, listen. Your ex-wife is missing, okay? And we've been told that you're the last one to see her alive. So we're just asking you standard questions. What happened that day? And he said, "Well, we uh, did it. Then we got into a fight. So you were the last one to see her alive, and you guys fought. Interesting." And so the police were like, "That's it for now. We'll come back if we have any more questions." By the way, your son's at your grandma's place, so we gotta go. So the police leave, and he's freaking. The fork out, right? And he's like, "Oh my God, the butcher's son must have done something." And he's pacing the apartment, and then he gets another knock on the door, and it's the nurse, the young nurse, and she's raging, she's mad, she's pissed, and she said, "Why the f- were the police looking for you at work?" And he's like, "What are you talking about? I told you, I told you, don't ruin my life. I told you that I would just quit. I would go to a different clinic. I'll never do it again. Like, why would you call the police on me? You couldn't have just told me to quit my job. Like, you wanted to put me in jail. You wanted to ruin my entire career." And he said, 
What are you talking about? I never went to the police about you. Yes, you did. They came into the office looking for you. No, they weren't looking for me. Um, if they were looking for me, it was probably about something else. Oh yeah, conveniently they're looking for you about something else. Yeah, my ex-wife is missing. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, and I was the last one to see her alive, so I guess that makes me a suspect, I guess. Oh, the one from the ice cream shop? You saw us at the ice cream shop? Yeah, she, she seemed nice, I'm sorry. Well, I hope you find her soon. I'll see you at work. And she leaves. Now he's like, uh, do you want me to like walk you home? There's a serial killer out there. N no, it's okay, I've already bothered you enough today, thank you. And she walks out of there, and he looks out the window, and just like he did with his ex-wife, he sees her walk away. But this time, unlike the moment with his ex-wife, he sees someone following her. So he freaks the fork out, and he runs downstairs and starts chasing them. And then all of a sudden, as he's chasing them, you hear the nurse scream, and he gets knocked out. And he wakes up in his apartment, and there's a man sitting in his apartment. It's not the butcher, it's not the grandpa, it's nobody we've seen before. So he wakes up and he's like, who the fork are you? And the person is like, listen, I'm Detective Joe. I'm retired. Are you, what do you mean? You're retired, you're old? I'm a retired police officer. Listen, I just lost a really good lead because of you last night. What were you doing running after that girl, huh? I was chasing that guy who was chasing that girl and I think, I think you and I both know who that person was. What? What are you talking about? The butcher. 15 years ago when I was a cop, I was the lead detective on the serial killings here. And I, I knew it was that butcher, that grandpa. He's guilty and I know it. But you know, he's calm. He's collected. Anytime we questioned him, he was so good. He would always lawyer up. And I never did find any good evidence. All circumstantial but never solid evidence. I could never arrest him. And so you know what? I, just, I made it my life mission to solve this case. And last night, I knew that the serial killer would strike again. I don't care how old that grandpa is, when this, it's a disease. Being a serial killer is a disease. You can never cure it. They'll keep killing. So I know he was going after that nurse and then you, a citizen who can't do shit, just ran, put your life in danger, almost blew my cover, so I knocked you out. And he says, yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Who are you? And why are you following that lady? The doctor says, well, wait, the butcher. Do you think he was part of that torso killing that recently happened? And Detective Joe's like, no, that one, the method was a little bit different. I don't think he was behind that one. I think that was like a one-off, but... But I know, I know that that butcher is gonna strike again. I know it for a fact. Anyway, why were you chasing that little girl? And the doctor says, no, 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 um, I, I knew something is weird. I think, I think that they know that I know that they're serial killers. I think the grandpa knows. He confessed to me in his sleep when I was his doctor. I'm a doctor. And he says, I need to show you something. And he opens the freezer and inside is that black plastic bag. And the detective looks inside and it is a head. We don't get to see whose head it is, but it is a head. And the detective says, you know what? I think you're right. I think they're messing with you. I think this is a sign for you to, they're gonna try to hurt you. I think they're going after people that you know, like your ex-wife and then now this nurse. I think they're trying to frame you. 
Why would they do that? Because you know. Well, we have to go to the cops. Don't you have like friends in the department? You used to work there. We're gonna walk in there with a plastic bag filled with a head and tell them what? Tell them that they put it into your freezer in your apartment that only you have the key for legally? That doesn't make sense, does it? But, but I didn't put that there. They, they, put the, they put the head in my freezer. Yeah, and what cop is gonna believe you? They put a head in my freezer. The only thing that they're gonna say is, no, we didn't. And then what? You still have a head in your freezer. You've still got questions you gotta answer. What will you do then? I don't know. I don't know what to do. What do I do? Just lay low, act normal, don't freak out, don't tell anyone about the head, and call me if you have anything else. And Detective Joe hands him his card and leaves. And so the doctor goes to work the next day and he sees that the young nurse isn't there. So he starts freaking out and he's like, oh my God, old nurse, where's the young nurse? And the old nurse is like, I don't know, probably like S and her boyfriend's D for another Chanel bag or something like that, okay? And he's like, shouldn't we call the cops? She's like, for her not coming to work today? No, what's wrong with you? If you wanna call the cops, be my guest. We're not calling the cops because she skipped work today. And she's just like, anyways, I'm busy because she's not here, so go figure out your own thing, right? And so the doctor, he seems really nervous. He's like, like, what if she's not okay? Like, what happened? I need to know, like, what do I do? What do I do? And he's freaking out when all of a sudden he gets a call from his son and his son is like crying and he's like, listen, dad, I don't wanna live with grandma anymore. All she does is talk you and I just hate her. I hate her so much. I, I want to come live with you. And the dad is like, okay, okay, we'll just, you know, your grandma's just upset because, you know, your mom's not here. And so he's like, well, anyways, dad, I see the butcher shop. What's the door code to your apartment? What? The butcher shop? Where are you, son? I'm at your apartment. I took the bus here. I don't want to live with grandma. I told you that. Okay, get the fuck out of there. Like, do not go into the butcher shop. Do not go into my apartment. Here's what you're gonna do. Go to the local bus station and catch bus 63. Then, when you get to this bus stop, get off and wait there. I'm gonna meet you there. I'm gonna be right there, okay? Don't talk to anybody. Don't listen to anyone. And I will be right there. Do not go into that butcher shop. And so he says... Okay, dad, are you okay? I, okay, I'll go to the bus stop. So the kid's waiting at the bus stop and you see him just waiting there when all of a sudden you see the same Hyundai butcher van drive past the kid, stop, reverse, and the kid gets into the van. And the doctor's freaking out. He's like, okay, I gotta go. Like he's telling the nurses, like I can't be here. Or the old nurse, like I can't be here. I gotta go pick up my son. And as he's running through the streets, he's like calling his son and his son won't pick up. And finally, after like the fifth time, the son picks up, but it's the butcher's son who picks up. And he says, hey, uh, I saw your son alone. Alone, young boy to be alone, huh? I, re I recognized him from the picture. I told him that I'm, I'm the butcher. And he got in the car. I need to talk to my son, put him on the phone. Oh, he can't come to the phone right now. You see, I lost something and I need to get it back real quick. And then he hung up. Remember when he asked him, did you take something? Yeah. And now he's saying, I lost something. And so the doctor, he's like screaming at the phone, like, what did you lose? But the person already hung up, right? Mm -hmm. So then he, as he's running towards the bus stop, he calls Detective Joe and is like, you need to come like right now. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like they have my son, right? 
So he's like, okay, like I'm literally across the street. I'll be there in like two seconds. And he approaches the butcher shop with the apartments and he sees that his apartment light is on, which he didn't leave on. So he freaks out. He runs inside and he gets to the door and he hears people inside. So he grabs into his pocket and you see him take out a doctor's scalpel. You know, the knives that cut your skin open during surgery. And so he goes in and you hear him yelling. And then you hear him run out covered in blood. And then you see another man that we've never seen before run out of the apartment with a scalpel in his eye screaming bloody murder and then the doctor runs out of the apartment onto the streets and then it's raining and boom he gets hit by detective joe's car it's really k-drama oh my god and then they fall in love but they don't but they could because it's a k-drama and like getting hit by a car while it's raining is kind of like a recipe for a marriage <laughs> so um he gets hit by the car then he wakes up in detective joe's office the doctor's freaking out and Detective Joe is saying, calm down, calm down. It's okay. Your son is now safe with the grandma again and um, everything's going to be okay. And he's like, no, no, no. Oh my God. I stabbed someone in the eye. I could have killed someone. I could have killed someone. And he starts freaking out. And the inspector says, well, I've got some bad news, okay? And he pulls out a newspaper and it says, ex-husband, prime suspect in wife's murder. And there's a picture of a body that was found in the woods. His, they found his ex-wife's body. She's dead. And he's the main suspect. The police are looking for him. There's a manhunt. And so the detective, or Inspector Joe is like, listen, I think the butchers are setting you up. They got a tip, the police, the Gangnam Police Department, I have connections. And they got a tip from someone who lives in your apartment that you guys got into a crazy fight, a violent one. They heard glass breaking the day that she disappeared. I think they're setting you up. And so he says, you know what? I'm going to call the cops. Detective Joe, I've got connections. I'm going to call them and I'm going to tell them that I was involved and I know that it's the butchers, okay? So he turns around and he starts calling the police. Mm -hmm. And the doctor, he starts looking around the office. There's a lot of diplomas on the wall. And he looks at the inspector who's now calling the police and you see him grab a vase and smash it on his head. And the detective falls to the ground. And the doctor just mutters, if you couldn't solve it 15 years ago, you can't solve it now, and walks out. And so this is getting really confusing. Like, who's the bad guy here? And so then you have the doctor waiting outside, looking like a crazy madman outside the butcher shop. And he decides he's going to break in. He's going to break in. If he can just find the head in the freezer, then he can call the cops and explain, listen, look at all the heads in this freezer. And the one in mine belongs to them too. And the one in mine has no relation to me. So it must be them. So he breaks into the butcher's office. He goes into the freezer. And he's so close to getting that black plastic bag where we can see hair coming out of it and that's when the butcher's son comes in and they get into this massive tussle they're punching each other they're kicking each other they're trying to stab each other with butcher's knives and then all of a sudden he's tackled the doctor is tackled to the ground and the butcher's son is on top of him strangling the out of him and then the police bust in and say put your hands in the air and they arrest the butcher's son and during all of this the black plastic bag with the head had tumbled to the ground 
Uh-huh. And there was hair sticking out of it. Uh-huh. Okay? And the doctor is screaming bloody murder, like, get the head, get the head, right? Uh-huh. And he is obviously, like, cut up with some knife marks, and he was just strangled. So they put him on a stretcher, and he said, don't forget the head. It's in the black plastic bag. Don't forget the head. And he's getting stretched out of there, uh-huh. and he doesn't see it. But we, the viewers, see the camera pan to the black plastic bag, and it's a cow's head. What the heck? Then we cut to the police station. And the old nurse is talking to the police and says, you know, I always thought he was weird. He never came to lunch with us. He doesn't socialize. He, he, I don't even think he has a life. He never told me about anything personal. And he was kind of mean. And when the young nurse wasn't missing, he was like, call the cops. I mean, I don't know. I always knew something was off about him. You know, sometimes he would sleep in the office. He said that the water heater was broken, but maybe he was just homeless. And then it cuts to the landlady. The water heater? Are you kidding? Do you know how much money we spent this year fixing? You can ask our contractors. Water heater broke my ass. The water heater works fine. And then we cut to the butcher's son. You know, I wanted to confront him about something because... You know, we had two butcher's knives that were missing. We got drunk one night, he went into the freezer and then kind of ran around the butcher shop and I was missing two of my best knives. I thought maybe he had taken it. You should check his apartment for those knives maybe. I'd like him back, they were kind of expensive. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was weird, but I didn't know he was that weird. And then we cut to the nurse, the young nurse. But before we get to her statement, we have the police interrogating the doctor. Now the police put him into an interrogation room and he says, listen, you just need to ask Detective Joe. He's gonna vouch for me. He knows exactly what happens. He saw the head in the freezer. He knows everything. He's my alibi. He was my alibi when the young nurse went missing. The young nurse didn't go missing. She's completely fine. She's fine? She didn't go missing? You look kind of sad about that. No, I'm not sad. I just... No, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Why are you worried that she's gonna tell us something you don't want her to know? What's going on? And then we cut to the nurse's statement. You know, propofol, the thing that we give our patients? He was addicted to it. I found him in the office multiple times, passed out with needles in his arm. He was stealing from our stash. He was stealing from our supply. We weren't missing a lot until he started working at our clinic. And one day I caught him, I caught him stealing a bunch of it. And so I wanted to confront him about it. And I went to his house the day that I found out that his ex-wife was missing and he was super high on propofol and he had just taken the needle out of his arm and he kept telling me about how the police were investigating him for the murder and he was just talking about how he had murdered someone and put the head in the fridge and now the police are gonna find that too. And I got freaked out and, you know, he kind of passed out after that so I thought maybe he wouldn't remember the conversation but he immediately woke up And he said, yeah, so I don't know where my ex-wife went. And he seemed completely normal again, like as if he didn't just confess to the murder. He said, yeah, my ex-wife is missing and I don't know what happened. But, you know, the police think it might be me. And so I said, oh, the ex-wife that you went to go get ice cream with? Mm -hmm. And something in his face changed. He looked at me with the craziest eyes I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. And he said, You saw me at the ice cream shop? You saw me that day with her? Why didn't you say hi? And I said, 
Oh, well, I'm so sorry about it, and I, I was trying to leave, and he kept saying that he would walk me home because there was a serial killer on the loose. And so I, I slammed his hand away, and I ran out of there, and I kept hearing him chasing me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I didn't show up to work the next day, because how could I? But I'm just so glad that you caught him. The police reveal this to the doctor, and the doctor starts laughing and says, She's a f***ing criminal! Are you kidding me? Look at her bags! Look at her Chanel's! You think I... I'm not addicted to propofol? She's the one stealing it! She's the one stealing it for bags! For designer products, that bitch! And they said, okay, fine. Let's say, the police say, listen, good doctor, let's say we believe you on all of this. She's the criminal. She's stealing the propofol. Oh, the butchers are serial killers. Explain this lady. And they put a picture. And it was a picture of him and another lady we've never seen before. I don't know that lady. Yeah, you do. This is the lady who you borrowed $200,000 from to start your clinic in Gangnam. And then when it failed, she disappeared. And you know what? It took us a while because there was no head, there was no fingerprints. But that's the lady whose torso we found in the Han River. No connection to the butchers. And you know what's even crazier? We found her head in your freezer. So, I mean... What the f***? So then we cut to the guy who had a stabbed eye being interrogated by the police. Uh And he says, listen, yeah, so what? She's a loan shark, I used to work for her. I gave my entire life to work for her. You know, she was addicted to propofol. So the, the, the doctor, yeah, he opened up a clinic, he borrowed money from our organization, she gave him the money, and he stopped paying it back. And so I would go a couple times, beat him up, and he would pay back a little bit, but you know, she gave him a little bit of leniency because she was she had insane insomnia, my boss. And so propofol was the only thing that could help her. So he would give her under the table propofol. Now one day she tells me that she's gonna go pick up some more drugs from him and she never comes back. So I go to the doctor's office and I see her car. That's weird, why would her car still be there? So in Korea, it's really common that most cars have something called a black box. It's just a camera for the front and back of your car and it's usually recording 24 seven. And I check the cameras and what do you know? I see the good doctor lifting an incredibly heavy suitcase into the back of his trunk in the parking lot. And so I confront him about it and he admits to it. And I said, listen, you give me 200K and I'll disappear. I don't care that you killed my boss as long as you pay the rest of my salary. So the doctor gave me 200K. Then I took the 200K, I gambled it all and I lost it. So now I need more money. So I went to go to the doctor to blackmail him for some more money. And then he fucking stabbed me with a scalpel. So then they bring in Detective Joe. And he says, listen, Detective, you've got to tell the rest of your peers, your colleagues, your officers that I'm not the one. And Detective Joe says, what's happening to you? Huh? What's happening to you? And he walks out of there and he talks to the police and he says, I'm his colleague and I'm also his therapist. He came to me after he borrowed $200,000 from a loan shark to start his clinic in Gangnam. And he couldn't pay it back. His clinic was failing. He He didn't have enough patience. He started getting depressed. He started abusing propofol. And, um... You know, I'm his son's godfather. There was pictures of them. What? He's like his colleague and a therapist. And he said that 
you know, I knew that propofol doesn't cause crazy visual hallucinations. And so I knew something was wrong when he kept calling me a detective. I came to visit him at his apartment multiple times mm -hmm. and he just kept saying, Detective Joe, I didn't kill them. Mm -hmm. And I just knew something was wrong. We find out what happened when he actually met his ex-wife and we find out if he killed him or her. So he, she came into the apartment, they made love. She never like said, this is a place, you know, she never said, oh my God, my son doesn't, is going to come live with you, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. They did it. And as they were doing it, he kept hallucinating and seeing the lady that he killed as the, as his ex-wife. Mm -hmm. And so he got up from the bed, went into the bathroom and started injecting propofol into his veins. And his ex-wife opened the door and she smashed the mirror with the glass because it wasn't the debt that made them divorce. It wasn't the fact that they had no money now. It was the fact that he was a massive drug abuser, like abusing propofol. And she said, you're still doing this shit? And he looked into the reflection of the mirror and he just saw the lady that he killed, the 200,000 loan shark. And then we cut to the doctor, chained to a hospital bed, screaming, I didn't do it. It's an elaborate setup from the butchers. It's an elaborate setup from the butchers. And they're injecting him with medicine to sedate him. And then we have the ending scenes. We have the butcher's son's son, so the butcher's grandson. Mm -hmm. And he arrives in the Philippines and he meets his mom. She picks him up from the airport and they haven't seen each other since he was six. The landlord lady, she gets excited. She says, you know, dad, you know, like what's husband, dad, what's going on? Is that the city? We've, we're installing so many CCTV cameras now. So this city, this town known as the serial killer town is now going to be one of the safest towns in Seoul because the police are putting so much money into CCTVs. Look, 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 dad, we even put a CCTV out there. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. And the dad just smiles. And then the butcher's son looks at her and she goes, look, I also got a new ring. Dad gave it to me. He, he found it at the flea market. Mm -hmm. And we know that to be the ex-wife's ring that we saw in the Audi. What? And she says, man, I don't want to scratch it up while I'm working. I'm going to go put it upstairs and I'll be back. And the butcher's son puts down his knives, walks to the grandpa who's sitting there smiling, staring at the window and says, you can't do that anymore. Did you hear her? There's CCTV everywhere now. Okay, dad? CCTV? We didn't have those back in the day. When the sun went down, no one would know who goes missing in the night. The Han River used to not melt so early. Winters were always cold and dark here. And then we see the ending scene of the black box of the ex-wife's car. She's crying, walking to her car, and the grandpa comes up behind her and smashes her head down. And the butcher's son goes, Grandpa or Dad, what are you doing out here? What did you just do? Mm -hmm. And then he notices, makes eye contact with the black box in the car, gets her keys, and we see him take it down. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I need some like reorganizing. What the hell just happened? Okay, so I think what I read online, there's not a lot of talks about it in English, but what I could translate from the Korean forums is this is to show that everyone is suspicious of everyone and nobody's good. So what really happened that we can conclude is that the, the doctor, uh -huh. he did kill the loan shark. 
And he started going crazy after that because as a normal person, you cannot live with the guilt of killing someone typically. And so he started seeing, like the head was in his freezer, but because his brain couldn't understand, like could not accept the fact that he murdered someone, started making up this elaborate story that the butchers put that in his freezer. Uh However, however, the grandpa butcher actually was an active serial killer. Like, decades ago. However, there's also parts that don't make sense. Some of them are rumors, like, you know, the son's first wife didn't go missing. She just literally fled back to the Philippines. Maybe she found out that the grandpa was a serial killer, so she left. But for whatever reason, she did not get murdered by him. And it seems like the ex-wife was killed by the butchers. Uh-huh. So is the young nurse actually stealing drugs? Yes. That was also a last scene. I forgot. Sorry. She was um, texting someone that the prices went up. It Uh, cut to her. So So they're both stealing. So he was stealing just to inject himself. But we can kind of assume that she definitely was stealing that night and he caught her. And now she was making up this backstory because it just helped her out. So they're both stealing. Yeah. So like no one's good. Yeah, type no of vibe. Honestly, I would rate this movie like a 6 out of 10. Okay, here's the thing. You like atmospheric movies? It's a good atmosphere because the whole time you're just stressed. You're like, what's going on, right? Uh-huh. However, I don't like cheap nightmares. I hate that. I hate cheap, like, waking up, right? Yeah. I also don't really like unreliable narrators. Yeah. So I don't really like it when a narrator is hallucinating, having too many nightmares, yes. is untrustworthy, because then it makes me question, like, all of it. And then it's like, none of I also wish that they had just left out all of the closing scenes and didn't tie it up but it was just too perfectly tied up at the end and i think a lot of um people even in korea like the korean forums that i read they had issues with like the cute too cutesy of an ending there Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so the movie itself was okay the lead actor was really good though so i mean he kind of saved the plot a little bit but yeah, I would yeah. rate it like a 6 out of 10. And I'm kind of sad that this was my first Baking a Mystery movie. Yeah. But, but it's okay. You got some good ones coming? I got some much better ones coming. Mm. Bits. And I got a book coming soon, so. I like the setup of a doctor and an unconscious patient confessing serial killings. Yeah. I kind of wish that they went with the other plot, that the doctor was the new serial killer. And that the paranoia was not him thinking, oh my god, the grandpa's a serial killer, but how does the grandpa know? Mm, Yeah, exactly. I felt like that would have been a much stronger... Less confusing. Yeah. Less like oozy daisy. Yeah. But I will say, like, even when you watch it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) me defending myself, it's a really confusing, like, last five seconds, you're like, okay. (laughs) Like the whole time you're like, what? And the last five seconds you're like, that doesn't sound like it would happen, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, type of situation. But I hope you guys enjoyed today's Bacon a Mystery. I'm going to try to do these more frequently, especially now that I've been watching a lot more movies. And if you guys are okay with the movie recaps, let me know in the comments. And all of your suggestions. I mean, I love watching all movies, so I take all movie suggestions. But psychological thrillers are my guilty pleasure. They're my favorite thing in the whole world. It doesn't have to be in English. I love subtitles. (laughs) And I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye. Uh.